my beloved brothers and sisters. <coughs> Having considered the courts yesterday, we want to direct our attention this morning to the structure of the sanctuary. If we can have our first overhead, we're then going to look at the structure associated with the building here essentially, which was made up of boards and of curtains. We want to look here essentially this morning, brethren and sisters, at a symbology where in this structure we can see symbolised the constituent members of the body of Christ which the Apostle Paul as we know terms as the temple or I think we can say the tabernacle of the living God so let's begin our thoughts then let's come to Exodus in chapter 26 and let's consider first the boards that were erected uh, on the three sides of this structure and we have the boards described to us in verse 15 of Exodus 26. And as we read this, we want to know how specifically the terminology is brought before us. Exodus 26, then in verse 15. And thou shalt make boards for the tabernacle of shitting wood standing up. Ten cubits shall be the length of a board, and a cubit and a half shall be the breadth of one board. If we have our next overhead, we can see here how we have our wood again mentioned. We're not going to again concentrate on shitting wood quite yet this week. But again, we have the idea of shitting wood representative of men, of members, if you like. But here the terminology is that this shitting wood is standing up, or it is upright. And so it's speaking of members who are upright before their God. There's a lovely verse, I think, in uh, the book of Proverbs that we can just look at briefly, if we will. Proverbs in chapter 14. We see here in Proverbs 14 how this symbology of the upright ones is made in association with this tabernacle. Uh, the book of Proverbs then, chapter 14, and we come in at verse 11. And here we set a contrast. We read, The house of the wicked shall be overthrown, but the tabernacle of the upright shall flourish. And what we have here is symbolised in these boards the construction of a tabernacle of the upright, those that are standing up in the sight of their God but more than this if we come back to Exodus 26 we see that these indeed are set in order verse 17 two tenons shall there be in one board set in order and that same phrase is elsewhere used in Exodus 36 of verse 22 and there it's translated equally distant. There's an equality about the construction of these boards. They are all the same. And we are presented therefore with a pattern. A pattern that seeks to be one after the other, side by side, seeking no difference one from another. 
We have there, don't we, a, a lovely picture, I think, of how ecclesial life should be. We do not seek to be one in authority over another in sense of importance. Let the Apostle Paul perhaps speak for us in this. First Corinthians in chapter 12, I think perhaps puts it better than, than I may struggle to. We know in this chapter that he's speaking of the members of the body. And it's these members that we're seeing in these boards. Come at verse 20. But now are there, are they many members yet one body? And he goes on to describe how the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee, or the head to the feet, I have no need of thee. While some may seem more feeble, all are necessary, all are equally distant, all are necessary for the construction of the body. And therefore, in our ecclesial activities and involvement, brethren and sisters, we don't have room, do we, for favourites? Naturally, there are some that we get on with easier than others, but so much the more we should spend time with those we find a little more difficult because we are all part of one body and therefore we should treat all as one and how are they set in order well I think there's a lovely symbology here brothers and sisters again the, the scripture is set before us to teach us many lessons isn't it Come back to Exodus 26 and let's just read carefully verse 17. Two tenons shall there be in one board set in order as your margin may have joined one to another and that's the same idea equally distant all dependent upon one another one against another a very simple phrase in the English brethren and sisters but such a great meaning if we go back to the Hebrew we reveal the rest of it essentially in the Hebrew this is a wife towards her sister and that word one is translated a number of times as wife as another is translated as sister what a picture brethren and sisters of the bride those seeking to be upright before their God lovely picture of fellowship one joined to another dependent upon one another the bride making herself ready 1 Corinthians chapter 1 again the apostle Paul I think picks up this symbology for us it develops the theme his first letter chapter 1 to Corinth verse 9 God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son Jesus Christ our Lord and here is this fellowship 
Verse 10, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, that ye be perfectly joined together, set in order, in the same mind, and in the same judgment. And so we are, as members, joined one to another. But how are we joined one to another, brethren and sisters? Well, how was it that these boards were joined one to another? We just have our, our next overhead. We can see one potential diagram of how the boards were put together. Don't worry too much about the dimensions there. We have here perhaps how they were put together. I know that there can be some debate about how the bars were put we don't need to consider that amount of detail the first thing we notice is the foundation of the boards are the silver sockets now again we looked yesterday silver as we shall see a little bit more detail in a moment uh, a symbol of redemption the basis the foundation of our hope but how is it that we as the boards, how do we connect to that hope? Well, we're told. Verse 19 of Exodus 26. If we could come back there, sorry. Exodus 26 and verse 19. We have the description of these sockets. And thou shalt make... 40 sockets of silver under the 20 boards 2 sockets under one board for his two tenons and 2 sockets under another board for his two tenons so by the use of tenons there is a connection made between the silver sockets and the boards if we could have the next overhead we see here the basis of fellowship the price of redemption, the sockets, the foundation of our hope. And if we could take it down, we can see that this word tenon in the original is the word hands. And so we have a principle whereby we as the boards must take hold of, with our hands symbolically, redemption. We must take hold of it and of course in doing so we must understand it come to Hebrews in chapter 9 words that we're not unfamiliar with I'm sure verse 12 neither by the blood of goats and calves but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption and of course we know that the foros is in italics yet the foros is there too isn't it we read in Ephesians 1 in verse 17 in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of of sins, It's within our grasp here, brethren and sisters, presented by the Father, by the riches of his grace. 
And so we, brethren and sisters, must seek as these boars to take hold of that hope and all that it means to us. And in these silver sockets, we have also represented throughout, in fact, this tabernacle, the whole involvement of Israel. All are involved. Could have the next overhead. Where did the silver for the silver sockets come from? We begin that slide in Exodus 38. Could we just have a look at that, look at that just very briefly? Here we have the numbering of the children of Israel, those from 20 years old and upward. We read of that in verse 26 of Exodus 38, a beaker for every man, that is half a shekel, after the shekel of the sanctuary, for every one that went to be numbered from 20 years old and upward, for 600,000, 3,550 men. So the number of Israel over 20, 603,550. We won't go back there, but we have it here also, that the atonement money as it's described, I think in Exodus 30 verse 17, was half a shekel, one for each of those that were numbered. Therefore, for the 603 plus thousand there was a need for 301,775 shekels if you're good at your maths uh, anyone who's good at maths will see that's half of the top number and if we come to Exodus 38 and verse 25 we read and the silver of them that were numbered of the congregation was a hundred talents a thousand seven hundred and three score and fifteen shekels now I'll put that in English there we have then a hundred talents and what was left over was 1,775 shekels because the principle is one talent is 3,000 shekels. So 300,000 of the shekels is taken up by the hundred talents. And from verse 27 we know that the hundred talents were used for the hundred sockets that were necessary and that includes the 96 that goes for the boards and then there were four required for the pillars that supported the veil and so we have the hundred talents completely used up for sockets but that leaves 1,775 shekels left over and it's not right that some of the congregation should be left over well they weren't because all were to be involved because here is a tabernacle of unity and of fellowship where all are involved. And so we read in verse 28, of the 1,775 shekels he made hooks for the pillars and overlaid their chapters and filleted them. And we saw that yesterday. The hooks for supporting the curtains that went round the court and for the covering of the chapters that were at the head of those pillars the remainder of the shekels were used. So this tabernacle involved all of the numbered of Israel. And every talent made one socket, made a foundation. 
come to the Acts of the Apostles and chapter 2. What does that mean to us, perhaps, as we look at this symbology, brethren and sisters? Verse 41. Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized and unto and the same day were added unto them about 3000 souls and it's nice isn't it that at the foundation of this ecclesia here after the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ it was about 3000 souls one talent's worth that were added to the ecclesia and here indeed was the foundation of this ecclesia as it began to grow through the work of the apostles after the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, these numbers are not here, are they, by accident? However, as we move on and see how these boards were held up, yes, the sockets were required, but so were the bars. If we go back to our previous slide and reveal all of it, we can see that the bars had a central part to play. The bars were necessary to stop, effectively, the boards being out of alignment. The foundation supported them and the bars kept them in alignment. Now that has a symbology for us, doesn't it? Colossians and chapter 2. We indeed by the bonds of the truth are bound together that we might be one alongside another in the truth that we hold so dear. Paul's epistle to the Colossians chapter 2 verse 19. And not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of God and here are the bars here are the bands that knit the boards together and it's the body that is held together by those things that have been held forth by our head and we must not stray, must we, brethren and sisters? And it's only by these things that we hold dear to ourselves that we are held in alignment. The same idea, if we just come back to Ephesians and chapter 4, gives a similar idea to us. Again, see, seeking how these boards bringing, these bars bringing the boards together, emphasizes again the interdependency. If you take one or two boards out, the whole unity is destroyed. Verse 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. Every joint adds to the unity of the structure and therefore to its strength. But it goes on, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love and we have a structure of love brethren and sisters 
Well, that is a foundation principle, isn't it, of the bonds of fellowship. You know, it's interesting, when we come back to Exodus 26, if we could now, how that it's not until all this has been described that we get any mention of what was actually seen. Exodus 26 and verse 9, 29, sorry. Exodus 26 and verse 29. And thou shalt overlay the boards with gold. Make their rings of gold. For places for the bars, thou shalt overlay the bars with gold. And it's the gold that was seen. And herein is the promise. That those that hold fast to the hope that we have been given that seek to walk upright before their God, that for them, this mortal, will put on immortality. And so it is that we see ourselves within this structure, within these boards. We then move on, having looked at the boards, to what covered them. There were curtains, four of them that covered the tabernacle we shan't look at them in detail except the fourth there was on the very outside what's described as badger's skins which some reckon is perhaps better rendered seal skins we have ram's skins dyed red then a covering of goat's hair and then on the inside we have the linen with cunning and the words that are used to describe these curtains the first three of them are called coverings and these coverings cover the boards effectively they go over them and that's right isn't it because sacrifice was required to provide those coverings uh, and the ram skins dyed red symbolic of the shedding of blood necessary but the linen is described as the tabernacle the tabernacle itself come back to Exodus 26 and verse 1 moreover thou shalt make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twined linen and blue and purple and scarlet and cherubims of cunning work shalt thou make them now it's interesting to note that there was nothing if you like in terms of beauty on the outside to behold the outside covering that would be seen would be very plain perhaps a fitting picture of the Lord Jesus Christ there was no beauty that we should desire him but when we come and enter into the sanctuary, the beauty is beholden. And so it is that when we come and enter into the things of truth, that we behold the beauty that is contained in this word. And of course in him he was that word made flesh. And in him was seen that same beauty. Now this inner curtain 
was made of the same material and using the same colours as the door that we saw to uh, the courtyard. Yet the words used of its making is different. Remember we had needlework in the door to the courtyard which we saw symbolising the doing of righteousness. Needlework being uh, one of the words of action. But here this time, this linen is described as being of cunning work. Cunning work. Now the word cunning actually is the same word as is used uh, of the counting of the righteousness of Abraham. You know, it was counted unto him for righteousness. Genesis 15 verse 6. That's the same word, cunning. Counted. And so we have our righteousness again, the white linen, but upon that is accounting. Romans in chapter 4 is where the Apostle Paul picks up the principle of the righteousness of Abraham being uh, counted unto him, or his faith, I should say, being counted unto him for righteousness. Romans chapter 4 verse 22 here the word imputed is used but it is the word in the Greek that's the same for counted that we get earlier on in Romans verse 22 then and therefore it was imputed to him Abraham for righteousness now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed unto him but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered for our offences and raised again for our justification so the priest that entered into this place the most, uh, the holy place looked upon the principle of the hope of our faith being counted unto us for righteousness it shall be imputed or counted says the apostle Paul if we believe on him and so that principle of the importance of our faith is there seen as the ceiling to this place and how was this particular curtain made come back to exodus and chapter 26 verse 2 I knew I'd get one wrong if you want to have a look at what they perhaps look like you can have a look at that one quickly <laughs> now can we have the next one we can have a look at that later if you want to. <coughs> Exodus 26 in verse 2. The length of one curtain shall be 8 and 20 cubits. The breadth of one curtain 4 cubits. Every one of the curtains shall have one measure. The five curtains shall be coupled together one to another. The other five curtains shall be coupled together uh, one to another. So essentially we've got two sets of five. Five curtains coupled together, five curtains coupled together to make 
two curtains in their own right and the length of those because they were four cubits wide each each one would have been 20 cubits wide so 40 cubits when joined together I'm going to suggest to you brethren and sisters that those two curtains are a very fitting representation to us of Jew and Gentile and how are Jew and Gentile brought together brethren and sisters well where was it that this join is made well look at verse 6 thou shalt make 50 tashes of gold couple the curtains together with the tashes it shall be one tabernacle now we know don't we that the holy place was 20 cubits long and if we take the measurement from the front of the tabernacle where this curtain would have lain the veil would have been at the point of the join we know that from verse 33 of this chapter thou shalt hang up the veil under the tashes well thou mayest bring in thither within the veil so under the tashes those gold rings were used to support the veil which I think is shown by our next overhead and we see there the position of the veil the veil is at the join Hebrews chapter 10 is where we need to go next the veil we know from Hebrews its representation what does this veil mean to us Hebrews 10 verse 19 having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh so his flesh represents this veil and that flesh was put to death Ephesians chapter 2 completes the picture for us and how appropriate that this veil is at the join and it's for this reason from Ephesians 2 that I think the two curtains represent Jew and Gentile we know here in Ephesians 2 at verse 12 he speaks uh, or verse 11 ye being in time past Gentile and in verse 12 being aliens to the commonwealth of Israel and from the covenants of promise but no longer he says for he says in verse 13 but now in Christ Jesus ye who are sometimes far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ and he concludes that in verse 16 that he might reconcile both Jew and Gentile if you like unto God in one body by the cross having slain the enmity thereby and so in Jew and Gentile joined at the position where the veil which is his flesh was to be placed what a fitting picture then we have of that hope that has been set before us so we have there the constituents of what was to form the basic structure of this tabernacle the building within the courts 
Now if we come back to Exodus chapter 26, the next command was very clear as to what should be done. But it may seem very simple. Well, I guess it is. Verse 30 of Exodus 26. And thou shalt rear up the tabernacle according to the fashion thereof which was showed thee in the mount. It was to be reared up. Now if we can have our next we can see what this word rear up is. In the Hebrew it's the, the word kum. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it. Um, essentially it means to rise, to rise up. But in the Septuagint it's the word that's uh, elsewhere translated as resurrection. So it's to rise up. This tabernacle when it was built was to rise up. Come to Exodus chapter 40. When was it reared up? Well we're told in Exodus 40 verse 17 when it was. Verse 17 of Exodus 40. And it came to pass in the first month, in the second year on the first day of the month, that the tabernacle was reared up. It was raised up. Now that takes us to Numbers. Let's just take a little journey for a moment. Numbers chapter 10. If you want our connection, if you go to Numbers 9 verse 15 at your leisure, you'll see that that is the rearing up of the tabernacle also. A repetition of Exodus 40. But Numbers 10 verse 2, the instructions were given for the call to journey. Make the two trumpets of silver... Of a whole piece shalt thou make them, that thou mayest use them for the calling of the assembly and for the journeying of the camps. So the journey was to commence with this call of the trumpets. Verse 11, And it came to pass on the twentieth day of the second month in the second year that the cloud was taken up from off the tabernacle of the testimony. Now I think, brethren and sisters, and someone might correct me, that this is preparation being made for its first journey. Now if it was, we've got some appropriate symbology here, because we come down to verse 17, that in order for its first journey to be taken place, having raised it up, it had to be taken down. Verse 17, the tabernacle was taken down, and the sons of Gershon and the sons of Merari set forward bearing the tabernacle. Now the word taken down there uh, could also be, uh, be looked at as, as the word unloosed or, or perhaps we might say dismantled. So what happened to it? Well verse 33 They departed from the mount of Yahweh three days journey and the ark of the covenant of Yahweh went before them in the three days journey to search out a resting place so a search for a resting place was made and three days journey now we're starting to see here the tabernacle as the body of Christ because the three days journey here is something that we will recognise three days it will rise up well that is given to us in verse 35 it came to pass when the ark set forward that Moses said rise up it's our word kum once again 
rise up. And what happened after three days of our master being in the tomb? There's a prophecy here concerning the tabernacle being a picture of the body of Christ. Matthew 26 takes us to the trial of the Lord Jesus Christ. The accusation that was given by those false accusers. The two false witnesses came. Matthew 26 of verse 61 They come and they say, This fellow said, I'm able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. Now, Jesus hadn't said that. The word destroy there does actually mean to destroy. But that's not what Jesus had said when they quote, seemingly, what he had said. Come to John chapter 2, which tells us exactly what Jesus had said earlier on in his ministry. John chapter 2 verse 19 and as we read this our minds surely go right back to where we've been in Numbers 10 Jesus answered and said unto them destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up the word destroy there is not the same word as the false accusers use this word destroy means to unloosen or to dismantle exactly what they did to the tabernacle because it was not possible that this body should see corruption it wasn't to be destroyed in that sense but it was to be dismantled and God was to raise it up again and that's what happened to the tabernacle after what I believe is the first journey they went three days to find a resting place and then it was reared up or raised up as was the body of the Lord Jesus Christ and you know the picture hasn't finished yet brethren and sisters if we come back to Numbers chapter 10 we await the final conclusion of this course because we have the dismantling we have the resurrection and then in verse 36 of Numbers 10 and when it rested he said return and that's the bit we wait when indeed he will call together his body that they indeed will be raised up to and be brought forward as that great army and we await that hope brethren and sisters we await that hope to be part of that body that we indeed might be united with him but here now is our period of probation whereby we should seek to emulate those principles now one with another there's a very interesting way in which this word kum occurs once again in scripture brethren and sisters in a remarkably similar context but here it brings us into this picture it's in second of Samuel in chapter 7 you may remember the context of Second Samuel 7 where David has completed his own house of cedar and therefore his desire turns to build a house for God. And David's desire is described in verse 2 when he speaks to Nathan. 
2 Samuel 7 verse 2 the king said unto Nathan the prophet see now I dwell in a house of cedar but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains Nathan foolishly as it seems or maybe not foolishly that's too strong a word Nathan says go and do all that is in thine heart but God comes to him that night and corrects him and said that that isn't necessarily God's desire God's desire was to walk with his people as verse 6 makes very clear to us but God nevertheless responds to David's desire and it's in verse 11 and as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies also Yahweh telleth thee he will make thee an house Okay, David you wanted to make me a house but no I'm going to make you a house I'm going to build for you a tabernacle a temple and how was God going to do that? He's going to do it by this word kum. Verse 12. When thy days be fulfilled and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers I will set up thy seed after thee which shall proceed out of thy bowels I will establish his kingdom. I will set up. That word set up is the word kum once again. I will raise up a seed he shall proceed out of their bowels but I will raise him up for what purpose well verse 13 <clears throat> he shall build a house a temple a tabernacle however we want to term it he shall build a house for my name and the word house there is the word for family or a genealogy God says you want to build me a temple I'm going to build you one but it's my family it's the family that will come forth out of the resurrection of the seed that I will send out of thy bowels how beautifully that is portrayed once again if we could come back to Ephesians and chapter 2 where we were verse 20 and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are builded together why? For an habitation of God through the Spirit. Here are we built together as the family of God, as his house, constituent members of this structure, striving together to walk towards that kingdom that has been promised at his return. And with that we know we have great responsibilities responsibilities that we need to heed let us conclude our remarks then brethren and sisters 1 Corinthians 3 here are our responsibilities brethren and sisters verse 16 know ye not 
1 Corinthians 3 verse 16 know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you if any man defile the temple of God him shall God destroy for the temple of God is holy which temple ye are and later on in 2 Corinthians 6 the apostle Paul picks up on the thought again where he says come out from among them and be ye separate so it is for us brethren and sisters that we seek to keep this temple this tabernacle this body undefiled one with another that we might indeed once in the time to come be built up with him who is our head